Psalms 84, Psalms 84, verses 1 through 3. Psalms 84, verses 1 through 7, I should actually say. And I've been meditating on this psalm uh, for a couple weeks now. I gave uh, a large portion of this study about two Thursday nights ago here in the sanctuary. And so if you heard part of this message before, uh, if you were here that Thursday, just consider that God wants you to listen to it again. Maybe you didn't take enough notes. But I'm going to probably be bringing back this Psalm 84 because uh, on, on different occasions because it's so rich. There's, there's lots of nuggets in this Psalm that I believe will benefit us uh, during these difficult days. I want to take this time to remind everyone throughout the whole church and those that are watching online, that church is a big deal to God. Church is a big deal to God. The world may have a low view of church. Unbelievers may have a low view of church. But I want to remind us, those in the sanctuary, those across the church this weekend, those watching online, that church is a big deal to God. Someone shout amen. Now, what is church? What is church? The word church literally means assembled ones or called out ones. That's what that word literally means assembled ones or called out ones. And when you think about that, to assemble means to put something together. To put something together. So if we name the name of Jesus, we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called out from the world to come together on a regular basis to worship, to pray, to testify, to study God's word. Someone shout amen. amen. If we name the name of Jesus, if we're disciples of Jesus, if we're born again believers, we are called out to come out of the world and regularly, get this, come together to worship, to pray, to testify, to praise, and to study God's word together. Now let me remind you, you don't have to turn there, but let me read Acts chapter 2, verse 42, which is the blueprint of the early church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, listen to what they did. It says, they, someone say they, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Notice the pattern, the blueprint of the early church. Since the beginning, since, since the church was born, they, talks about community, 
devoted themselves, that's community again, to the apostles' teaching, that's the word of God, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is the blueprint for us today. When we get saved and we lift up our hands and bow our hearts to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, we commit ourselves to following the blueprint. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We don't surrender our hearts to Jesus and then come to Jesus on our own terms. No, 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 that's not how it works. We come to Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do with our life? What do you want us to do with our marriages? What do you want us to do with our family? And the Bible reveals the will of God for our life. And the early church, they devoted themselves to the study of God's word, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Yeah, you could have a Bible study by yourself, and that's good. You should be studying the Bible by yourself. You could even have a small group Bible study in your home, uh, and that is good. That is important. But we, as the people of God, as families in the kingdom of God, are called to assemble regularly for worship, for prayer, for serving, and for the study of God's word. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? So think about this for a second. The church has been assembled together, assembling together, worshiping together for 2,000 years now. For over 2,000 years, on a regular basis, typically on Sunday, the Lord's Day, we have been assembling together to worship. In fact, when the church was born, in Acts chapter 2, Verse 1, that describes the birth of the church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Notice that. They were all together in one place. Someone say all together. That's a key phrase. All together. Together, So notice the church was born when they were all together. The church was born when they were all together. Power fell when they were all together. Fire fell from heaven when they were all together. When we show up, God shows up. When we show up, God shows up. Now, the hard thing is, that Satan has been attacking our all-togetherness for 2,000 years. Ever since the church was born, Satan has been attacking our all-togetherness. Are you following along? Even today, even today, he attacks our all-togetherness. I recently read a social media post about the underground church in Afghanistan a couple weeks ago. And the post read that an underground church in Kabul, Afghanistan, is now at home with the Lord. We received news that the underground church in Kabul, uh, Afghanistan, has been martyred. 
The last words she spoke were, we feel your prayers because the supernatural boldness came over us and we were singing in the spirit even as the kids said, Mom, we will not deny Jesus. And as they were on the phone, they heard screaming and gunshots. You would think this happened 50 years, 100 years ago. No, this happened last week. This happened last week. All throughout the years, the enemy has been attacking our togetherness. And it's interesting because in America... There's, this, there's been growing this, this increasing attitude of disregard for God's church. And you hear it expressed in different ways, such as people will say, I love Jesus, but not the church. You'll hear people say, I don't need church. You'll hear people say, I can do church all by myself. And I would even suggest, you've heard me say this before, that there's also been a new attack on the church with the recent pandemic that hit the world, starting particularly in the United States or in California last March. Satan uh, is an opportunist, and he has been using the, uh, the pandemic to, to disband churches all across the United States. I don't know if you realize this or not, in the last year, Thousands of churches have been disbanded in the United States directly because of the pandemic. In fact, many have still not assembled for church in like a year. And the pandemic or the fear of the pandemic has lowered the value of church in the minds of thousands, probably millions of people across the United States. And there's been so much collateral damage as a result of this disregard for church. One of them is that tons of kids have not been taught the Bible. Children are growing up right now in our generation with a low view of church because their parents don't want to take them to church. And I don't know, the Lord has kind of wired me to be able to see far off. And I could just imagine 30 years from now when that child is an adult and all hell breaks loose in her life, and she's saying, well, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to church. I remember when the world fell apart 30 years ago. My, my parents didn't take me to church then, so I don't need a church now. The Bible teaches that church is so important that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it reveals that the church is the pillar of truth in society. It is the pillar of truth truth that means that part of the purpose of the church in in the world is to disseminate and to proclaim the truth of God's word so if you shut down the church you shut down the truth from being spread in a huge way are you picking up what I'm putting down and as a result of that there's so much collateral damage people are slipping into depression people are slipping into alcoholism People are slipping into a spirit of anger. Have you noticed the anger rising and rising and rising? Suicide is up. 
Just two weeks ago, I officiated a memorial of a 29-year-old man who committed suicide. So much collateral damage. And I've been meditating on Psalms 84 because it helps us to elevate our view of the house of worship, i.e. the church of the living God. Now, if you remember, the book of Psalms is actually God's song book. It's made up of God's greatest hits. And particularly, Psalms uh, chapter 84 uh, was written by a group of people called the sons of Korah, the sons of Korah. And their ancestor, Korah, actually led a revolt against Moses and the kingdom of God. When you study, I believe it's in the book of Numbers, you'll learn that Korah and he led 200, over 200 people to revolt against the authority of God. And right there in the desert, God judged them and sw caused the, the earth to swallow, uh, open up and swallowed everybody up, including Korah. And I've been studying this Psalms 84 from different teachers to kind of get some good insight to teach y'all. And Jetson Franklin says that as a result of Korah's rebellion, one of the consequences was that his family was kicked out of the temple for like seven generations. They were kicked out of the house of worship for like approximately seven generations. So when you read Psalms 84, it's being written by a group of people that have been away from church for a long time, away from the house of worship for a long time, away from the house of God. Are you following along? And Psalms 84 speaks of the blessedness of dwelling in the house of God. The blessedness of dwelling in the house of God. Now, in the immediate context, the house of God in the Old Testament refers either to the tabernacle or the temple, which was the house of worship where the Old Testament people of God went to sacrifice and went to worship God. But metaphorically for us, as we read this Psalms 84, through the New Testament lens, the house of God refers to the assembled church of God's people. It refers to the assembled church. It refers to the house of worship. Are you following along? So when you hear, when you read this Psalm 84 and you hear about the tabernacle or you hear about the temple or you hear about the courts of the Lord, I want us to envision that's referring through our New Testament lenses, it's referring to our house of worship. This, this is the house of worship for you and I today. This is the house of worship for you and I today. So let me read. Psalms 84, verses 1 through 7. Y'all should be there by now. I gave you about eight minutes to get there. Listen to the word. It says, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living 
God. Look at verse 3. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you, Shelah. Verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they will make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. Last verse, verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Look at, look at what happens to those that go to the house of God. Look at what takes place to the families that regularly worship in the house of worship, in the house of God. Look at what it says. This is part of the blessing. They say, they go from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength. I want you to catch the benefit of regularly coming to the house of worship to praise God, to testify, to serve, and to study God's word. You go from strength to strength, not strength to weakness. In the natural course of a journey, you typically go from strength to weakness. You start off excited for the journey, and you get everybody ready, and we're going to go to Disneyland. We're going to go to Knoxbury Farm. But by the end of the day, and you walk back towards your car, everybody's tired and fainting. Because in the natural course of a journey, you go from strength to weakness. But God says, when you journey to the house of worship, when you go to the house of God, there's something supernatural that takes place where you go from strength to strength, glory to glory, and strength to strength. That's why you leave out of here energized. I don't know about you, but typically when I leave church, I feel like I could conquer the world. He says, you go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Now, I want to pull out in our study this morning a couple things that I see in this passage of Scripture that we studied. Now, remember, we open up the Word of God to be transformed by it. We open up the Word of God to submit unto it. We open up the Word of God to receive the strength of the Lord. For the word says, man shall not live off bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So let me point out a couple things that I see in this passage of scripture for our learning. Number one, someone say number one. I see a longing for God's church. I see a longing for the house church. Of worship. Let me remind you, I'm going to read it again, verse 1. Listen to what the writer says. He says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Notice what he says. He says, My soul longs, my soul longs, yes, even faints. For the courts of the Lord. Now you got to remember that this is written by someone who's been away from church for a very, very long time. They've been away from the house of worship for years. And I see revealed in this passage of scripture a longing 
in, in his heart for the house of worship. I, I see this longing, this, this longing for the house of worship. Now, when you think about it, there's a big difference between a loving and a longing. There's a big difference between a loving and a longing. A longing is a higher level of loving. When, when, when you have a longing for someone or a longing for something, it is a higher level of love. Can we talk like family for a moment? I, I love all y'all. I love all y'all. I love y'all. I love, I love all y'all. But I do not long for all y'all like I long for my wife. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I love all y'all. But if we could talk like family, I don't long for every one of y'all like I long for my wife. I long for my wife. She's at the Carson campus right now, and I'm longing for her in my heart. And God reveals that he has placed a longing in the heart of every believer for the house of worship. There is this longing in every believer's heart, and I really believe it is one of the signs that you are saved. I really believe it's one of the signs that you are saved, that there's this longing in our hearts for the house of worship. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I remember when California first went on lockdown last March and we had to shut down the church. It felt like I was on a vacation for the first couple of weeks. It felt like, man, I just felt a little like a vacation. But I'll tell you, after about the third Sunday of preaching all by myself, because all this was empty, I was preaching to the chairs. After about the third Sunday, something in my soul said, there's something wrong about this. There's something uh, we were not designed for, uh, for, for that, right? We are, there's something, I, I couldn't explain it, but I just knew in my spirit there was something wrong with that. And I believe that that was that longing in my heart for the assembled house of worship. Now, the scripture repeatedly reveals a spiritual cry for the house of worship. Like, this is not the only place where the scripture reveals it. For example, in Psalms chapter 27, verse 4, listen to what the scripture reveals. It says, one thing I ask from the Lord. Notice that one thing. When you get down to one thing, that's business right there. When you get down to one, when you get, when you get past your hundred item list and you get down to the only thing you need, you need biz, you mean business at that. Listen to what he says. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and get this and to seek him, get this, where? In his temple. 
in his temple to seek him. Yes, you could seek God wherever you're at. Yes, you could find God in a cave. Amen. That's true. You could find God in a cave. But there's something special about being in the house of worship, seeking God together with the family of God. There's something that you cannot get that at the Staples Center. You can't get that at a Dodger game. You can't get that at a Laker game. Hello, somebody. You only get it in the house of the Lord. That's what he says. He reveals this longing. In Psalms 26, verse 8, just listen to this. He says, oh, Lord, I love the house where you dwell, the place where your glory resides. God's glory is manifested when we come together. Psalms 23, verse 6 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's this longing, a longing in the, in the heart of every believer, and I really believe that it's one sign that we are saved. Hello, somebody. Someone say number two. Number two, I see a negative effect of being away from church. I see a negative effect of being away from church. Now, let me read verse 2 because it brings this out. Listen to what it says. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. So notice he identifies a side effect of being away from church for a prolonged time of uh, a prolonged period of time he identifies a side effect he says his soul faints for the house of worship his soul faints for the church of the living god his soul faints for the courts of the lord are you following along that word faint means to lose strength it means to be spent. It means to be drained, to be fatigued. Listen to what he says. He says, my soul is fainting because I'm away from the house of worship. My soul is fainting. Listen, that word faint means to lose strength. It means to be spent, to be drained, to be fatigued. See, the longer one is away from the house of worship, the weaker one becomes. The longer one is away from the house of worship, the weaker one becomes. And I would even say that prolonged absence from the house of worship weakens your peace. It weakens your ability to resist sin. It weakens your sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Prolonged absence from the house of worship weakens your faith. Has anybody ever experienced this for yourself? Anybody ever experienced this? Come on, tell the truth to shame the devil, right? Prolonged absence from the house of worship makes us more vulnerable to anxiety. It makes us more vulnerable to self-pity. 
It makes us more vulnerable to low self-esteem. It makes us more vulnerable to compromise of sin. And I've seen it. I've seen it in the last year. People slipping and dipping. Can we talk like family? Don't, don't forget that you're connected to your pastor on Facebook. <laughs> please, please, don't forget. Now, now listen, listen, listen. We're talking like family. Listen, I, I ain't stalking you. I ain't got, there's too many of y'all. I, I ain't got time to be going and stalking. Let me see what Marianne is doing, right? I ain't got time for all that. But you know how Facebook works, right? When you put something out there, it, it, it is open to everybody. Hello, somebody. And I've seen, I've seen people who in 2019 were going to church regularly and their families were being strengthened. Their marriages were being strengthened. Their kids were being strengthened. Their faith was being strengthened. Their anxiety was going away. Their stress level was coming down. And then after the pandemic, some haven't even been back to church. And now you can see via social media, they're getting filled with anger. They're getting filled with bitterness. Their patience is, is, is going away. Some are even getting drunk and high. Some marriages are even collapsing. Families are divided. People are getting angry at one another. No more patience. No more grace. You see, every time you come to church, you get reminded about the grace that God has put on you. And you know what that happens? You know what happens? You get reminded to give somebody else grace. But if you get stopped, if you ain't hearing about the grace that God has put on you, it makes you much more easier to snap in Z formation with somebody who gets on your nerve. Am I lying? That's why the church, the assembled body of Christ, it does so much for us. You got to keep clinging on to this. Keep pressing into this. God is working in your life. So there's weaknesses that happen when we have prolonged absences from the house of worship. The third thing that I see in our study this morning is I see church is worth the trip. Church is worth the trip. And I see it in, all the way down in verse 5. Let me remind you what verse 5 says. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Get this next phrase because it's very important. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. This is a very important phrase. I'm going to read it again. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Someone say pilgrimage. Now, if you're like me, oftentimes when I see a big word in the Bible, I skip it. Come on now. Come on now. Since when you open up a dictionary? Come on. But let me tell you something. God does not waste words. Every word from God has the power to change your life forever. So if you skip a word from God, you might be skipping your miracle. Amen? 
So listen, I want us to reflect upon this. This word pilgrimage, it's not a common word. You think of pilgrims, right? It's, but it's not a common word in our vernacular today. But this word pilgrimage speaks of the journey that families made to the house of worship. It speaks of the journey. They were required to regularly go to the house of worship. They were required to take their families, get them ready, and journey to the house of worship on a regular basis. They were required to pack all their stuff, get their kids ready, and caravan all the way to the house of the Lord. And it was not an easy journey. It was not an easy journey. The Bible talks about going up to Jerusalem, up to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was set on a mountain. And the journey to get to Jerusalem, where the house of the worship was, typically took three days to get there, and they had to go through hills, they had to go through rocks, they had to go through dirty roads, and remember, this is back in the days, they didn't have cars, they didn't have Ubers, they didn't have vans, they didn't have Nikes. All they had was dark, dirty, risky, and rocky roads. It was a hard journey. It was a hard journey for the people of God back in the days to get to the house of worship. That's why the Bible says, blessed are those who set your heart on pilgrimage. Did you notice that? Set your heart on on pilgrimage. Oh, there's, a, there's a reason why it says you got to set your heart to this journey. You know why? Because it's not an easy journey. If you don't set your heart on it, you're not going to take it. If you don't set your heart on it, you're not going to endure the journey. You're not going to endure the journey. So the Bible says set your heart on the journey. The reason why their heart was set on the journey is because what was in the house of worship was more valuable than the cost to get there. I'm going to say that again. The reason why they set their heart on the journey is because what was in the house of worship was more valuable than the cost to get there. And listen, I got three kids. I know how long it takes to get ready for church. It could take hours sometimes, chasing them around, getting the clothes ready, putting them in the car. One doesn't want to go in the car. One takes an hour just to get into the car. It's not easy. But they considered what was in the house of worship more valuable than the cost to get there. They valued the house of worship more than the inconvenience it took to get there and it's it's sort of like that now right it, there's there's so many obstacles to come to church now you know you think of weather some of our services believe it or not are still held outside our Carson campus services they're still outside so people have to set up church they're worshiping you know outside and sometimes it's cold sometimes it's hot you think of all the obstacles to get to church today. You know, you think of masks. Who wants to wear a mask? Nobody wants to wear a mask. 
You think of temperature checks. When was the last time we had to take temperature? This is not the uh, uh, doctor's office. Or is it? Fear. Fear to come to the house of the Lord. So much fear to come to the house of the Lord. We can use excuse after excuse not to come to the house of the Lord. Or we could say God's church is worth the trip. God's church is worth the trip. And, and we don't take this trip for nothing. We, we don't take this trip for nothing. We come to meet God. I said we come to meet God. That's the reason why they took the trip to the house of worship. It was to meet God. That's what verse 7 says. It says each one appears before God in Zion. Zion is a metaphor for the church. Listen, I, I love y'all, but I don't necessarily come to church for all y'all. I come to church because God has been good to me, and I need to meet God. I got too many devils fighting in life. I need to make, meet God. We meet God in corporate worship. We meet God in prayer. We meet God when we assemble together to study God's word. Are you discouraged? Are you depressed? This is the place where you should be. All throughout the scripture, God showed up when his people showed up. I said God showed up when his people showed up. Now, we're living in a time where many people are, are fearful to come to church. But this is not the only time in history where fear kept people from the house of God. In fact, in the ancient Israel, there was a time of the judges when God's people were attacked by God's enemy, and because of fear, the people of God would not travel the roads and they would not go to the house of worship. The streets were empty. And I remember last March when California shut down, I was driving down Alondra. And I felt like I was on a scene of the movie of Mad Max. There was nobody out. It felt like there was tumbleweeds flying down Alondra Boulevard. I know I was seeing things, but it was eerie. And listen, I want to show this scripture in Judges chapter 5, verse 6. Hopefully we got it up. Judges chapter 5, verse 6. Listen to what it said back in the days. Listen, it says, the highways were deserted. And travelers walked along the byways. So, so everybody was fearful. They didn't want to go to the house of, the war, house of worship because God's enemy was attacking them. And listen, it says the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. Get this, village life ceased. Village life ceased. Nobody wanted to come out because of fear. It ceased in Israel. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. It ceased in Israel... Until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. In other words, this, this sister, this mother in Israel, Deborah, who's one of the most like, powerful leaders in history, she was like, no, this is not happening on my watch. I'm going to lead the people back to the house of God. I'm going to lead the people back to the house of worship. It is not going down on my watch. That's what Deborah did. She said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to stand up, and you're going to follow me. Thank God for the Deborahs in the kingdom of God. I was stricken by a picture 
of our church not too long ago. Um, I want to show you this picture. I believe we have it. This picture was taken last October. And last October was around the period when the pandemic was still kind of um, new and people were still fearful to go out and come to church and um, live their life. And I saw this picture the other day, and this picture is actually a picture of our outreach team in October. Some of y'all didn't catch that. This picture is taken in October when fear flooded our society. Very few people were coming to church. Very few people were going out into society. And our outreach team tapered down to a few Debras. It tapered down to a few elite soldiers in the kingdom of God. People that knew something about God beyond the average person. People that knew something about the power of God beyond the average follower of Jesus Christ. Look at our outreach team of last October. It's our seniors part of our church. Mother Ruth and Jen, and look at our other mother who, who has a cane and walking. And live. you know where they're at? They're at the park. They're at the park sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, listen, I thank God we have a lot of men in our church. We have a lot of kingsmen at our church. But I thank God for the mothers in our church that teach us the value of church, that teach us the value of God and the value that this is probably the best time to be the church in the last hundred years because the darker the night, the lighter the light. Now, I do want to say something, at least I misunderstood. I do want to clarify something, particularly for those watching online. If you're sick, if you're immobile, then online worship is for you. Let us know so we could pray for you, so we could support you. We got many people that are immobile. I'm thinking about Mother Marty, who's in Montana. She's in Montana, and she's part of our online campus, watches all the time, Mother Marty. She's in mobile. She can't, she can't go to a lot of places, so online is for her. By the way, Mother Marty, if, you, if you're watching this, call the church line. I need to call you up and pray for you. So if you're sick or in mobile, then online worship is for you. But I'm saying, if you're healthy, if you're, if you're strong, if you're going to Costco, if you're going to the theaters, if you're going on vacation and flying on a plane with 200 people on that plane, then you need to get back to church and worship the Lord. You need to get back to the house of worship and praise God and, and praise God that God is still on your side. 
I remember my sweet daughter, she told me, my, my 11-year-old daughter, she told me the other day, she, and I'm paraphrasing what she said. She didn't say exactly like this, but she said, Daddy, why, 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 why we can't go to church if we just came back from Costco and it's filled up? 11-year-old, wisdom. Why we can't go to church if I was just in line at Costco with dozens and dozens of people? 11-year-old wisdom. My challenge for us, church, is this, this is probably the best time in 100 years to be the church. The darker the night, the brighter the light. Let us continue to worship God. Let us continue to praise God. Let us continue to offer a sacrifice unto the Lord. Listen, there's a blessing in the house of the Lord. There's power in the house of the Lord. Let us not drop the ball in our generation to the glory of God. Let's give the Lord a hand praise.